Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. to the Denver Stiff Show. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as we are recording this after an excellent game between the Portland Trailblazers and Brooklyn Nets. Uh, The Blazers ended up winning. Boo! We did not want that to happen because we are Nuggets fans and Portland doesn't deserve anything. However, it was an entertaining game. Damian Lillard, for all the, the hate as a Blazer he will get, he is an elite player let's be honest and and one of the one of the very best in the NBA that I I enjoy rooting for uh to help me break it all down to help me break down some nugget stuff too I'm going to be bringing on Zach Mikosh deputy site manager of Denver Stiffs he's awesome he's great Zach how are you man I am doing well so I want to get out two two points really quick about that game first point props to the to the Brooklyn Nets they had 100%. nothing to play for and they they went all out for it um up until I think you know maybe Karis LeVert didn't didn't put as much pressure on CJ McCollum there in that final possession but like I, I I appreciated the fact that they could have just punted on that game they they could I thought for sure I was like well they won't bring LeVert back in now right. um and they did and they and they definitely um Definitely made that a, a very exciting game. So props to them for that. And then the other thing I was going to say, um, which we're talking about Damian Lillard, like, yeah, you want to you, you want to not like that guy because he's he's a he's a rival of your team. Um, but it's like it's kind of like how I felt about uh, Peyton Manning when he played for the Colts and uh, Ladanian Tomlinson when he played for the Chargers. It's like when you see a guy, you, you know, we get to see them so many times. Um, like you, when you see a guy, even when he's doing it against your own team, just absolutely perform at such a high level so many times like i feel the same way about kobe bryant too like you you just kind of at some point like you the hate kind of goes away and you, and you just have to respect the talent in the game and like that's how a dame is like is particularly in this bubble has really ascended for me like you, you, there's like yeah it sucks when he when he does it to the nuggets um and i want the blazers to lose always but like man you get some of the, some of the shots that he was hitting tonight, like he, I mean the 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 Nets literally had to start trapping him at the half court line because they're like, well, if we let him get two feet past the half court line, he's going to shoot it and it'll probably go in. Like so, mad respect for that guy and his skills. Can't wait to see him get swept by the Lakers. We will definitely talk all about that. Uh, I do want to mention the Phoenix Suns later in the podcast as well because they deserve a lot of props. But it was really, really cool to see the Brooklyn Nets put up the fight that they did, and it's equally as cool to see Dame do what he did. Uh, he's he's clearly a top 10 player, and he is going to finish the season averaging 30 points per game, 40% from three on 10 attempts, and 62% from true shooting. Uh that's nuts. That's Steph Curry-esque. And if you ask me, he this is one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen from a guard outside of maybe that Curry 2016 season. 
Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I remember watching Michael Jordan, so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> si- since then, since then, I, right. I'll say right. that. Right, yeah, for sure. And I mean, yeah, there's it's certainly in the 20 teens, right? You know, there's, um, obviously we had Steph Curry as, as I, when I think of guards in the, in the 20 teens, Steph Curry's probably the first one that comes to mind, James Harden, uh, another one, but but Damian Lillard right there. And, you know, you said top 10, and I started thinking, well, well is he top five? And I think your debate kind of gets into you know, basically is where do you put Damian Lillard versus versus James Harden? Because, you know, you, you know, you're probably obviously LeBron and Giannis, uh, Steph and, and KD, even though he's been out. Like, I think those guys are all pretty much it's not it, it's hard to argue any of them are not top five players. Um, but then that fifth spot, is it Damian Lillard? Is it is it James Harden? Is it Anthony Davis? You know, there's there's a lot of different ways you can go there. But I think Dame is absolutely in that conversation. It's very possible, and and I here's here's my take on KD. I want to I want to see him prove it before I put him back sure. into any top ten conversations because an Achilles injury is just no joke, and I would I would really struggle with that. And I think it's just there's just such a likelihood that he is never the same player that he was, uh, and that's too bad because he was excellent. And you're right, that version of KD that we last saw, uh, top three, top maybe one player. Right. So I I do acknowledge that with regard to Dame. There, there seems to be this tier that outside of the top three of LeBron, Giannis, and Kawhi, uh, you've got. Oh, yeah, Harden, so I forgot got, Kawhi. So, yeah, yeah, you've got Harden, you've got Steph, you've got Dame, you've got Anthony Davis, you've got Luka Doncic, who I think is approaching that. You've got Nikola Jokic, yeah, who I think is approaching that. Uh, and I think it really just is a coagulation of talent up there. But I think if your preference is to put Dame up there. Props to you. That's perfectly fine. If your preference is to put Jokic up there, props to you. I think that's a very justifiable decision given what he did in the playoffs last year and is likely to do in the playoffs this year. But I think you could really go any which way with a lot of the talent. It really just goes to show there is so much talent in this league right now. It is unbelievable that this player, this guy, this this potentially top five player had to fight his way into the bubble and and out outrank the eight no sons in order to just get into a playoff game against the Grizzlies. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's been an incredible run. And are they doing they're gonna do a seeding MVP, right? Seeding games MVP? Yeah, they're gonna do they're gonna do awards, they're gonna do a seeding games MVP, they're gonna do an all bubble team. Uh I'm not sure beyond that. I think they'll do a coach of the year or a coach of the bubble, which is automatically right. going to Monty Williams. Uh yep. But I, I, I would be hard pressed to give it to anybody other than Damian Lillard in terms of MVP. Like that. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess Devin Booker is probably the only one you can you could argue there, right? And but he'd be my number two, right? But I think I think Lillard, by virtue of the fact that he he, I mean, not not that Booker didn't do everything he could, um, but but Lillard just did, I guess, a little bit. It's tough though. No, no. Here, here's where I'm at with it because Booker did everything he had to do. He got his team to eight and zero, and he made a game winning shot over Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Like that's great. Hey, you you did awesome, dude. I I can't fault you for anything you've done. Lillard had less to work with because Mm -hmm. the Suns secretly actually pretty talented. Uh, The Blazers not so much. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic and DeAndre Ayton are comparable now. Uh, CJ McCollum. He's playing with a broken back. Clearly not like exactly the CJ McCollum that took out the right. Nuggets in the playoffs last year. 
Uh, other than that, like, who is the fourth best player on the Blazers right now? It was probably Gary Trent for most of the year. Maybe Oh, Carmelo is a good shout. He was actually really good, and he did make a clutch shot in the bubble. Or uh, He's made several clutch shots in the bubble, but he made a clutch shot in this game as well. Um, but hey, I mean... Carmelo is your fourth best player. Gary Trent is your fifth best player. Like right. that's, that's not exactly elite talent. Yeah. Not exactly barn burners. Yeah. So we're, we'll see how it all boils out, but I, I really do think that Dame he's bubble MVP. Definitely. No questions asked. Uh, bubble rookie of the uh, rookie of the bubble, which I don't know if they're actually going to do. It's definitely Michael Porter jr. That was, yeah. that was pretty clear. Uh, John Morant was supposed to be a competitor for that, and he was pretty good. He'd probably be my runner-up. Zion Williamson was supposed to take it. He disappeared off the face of the planet and looks awful. Uh, that's that's something that we're going to be able to talk about for a long time if that if these directions and these trajectories look the same. Because Michael Porter Jr. looks like an all-star as soon as next year. Zion Williamson? I'm not sure. Yeah, well, and it, what's interesting is, I mean, Zion, he said it, uh, I think today, like, he says, I got to get my body where it needs to be. And, like, that's that's really it with Zion, I think, more than anything. Like, dude's got to um, got to slim down a little bit. He's going to have to, uh, you know, get into more of an, an NBA body. Like, he's, he's his entire uh, basketball career, he's just been this, you know, physical freak of nature that even if he, if he wasn't in the best shape, it didn't really matter because, you know, there's no... <laughs> I mean, as good as, as the ACC is, like, there's nobody in, in that conference that was going to potentially stop him. And then in high school, obviously, uh, even more so. But now you're now you're playing with professionals. Now you're playing with, playing with guys who they work out every day and they're, and they're, you know, maybe they're not quite the, nobody is quite the uh, same sort of body type and, and physical freak that Zion is, but they're they're certainly strong enough to to be able to contain that and to be able to handle that and so he's gonna he's gonna have to you know I, I think if he slims down and makes himself a little bit more more sleek a little more quick that will certainly help him and the, the talent is undeniable with Zion I mean he is a he is an absolute like just scoring machine when he's right and when he's um in shape so uh if he does that I think I mean I still I still think the guy's a generational talent and we will just have to uh but he's gonna have to put in some work. I mean, he, but it sounds like he acknowledges it. So I guess we'll we'll have to see if if he uh, if he can walk the walk now that he's talking the talk. Sometimes you have to fail in order to succeed, and that makes a lot of sense with regard to Zion as somebody who his rise has been meteoric, and his fall just now was pretty explosive. I wonder if this is a good springboard moment for him where he can really understand what it takes to be in the NBA and be an effective player, especially at his size and make the most of his his situation. Um, he really does remind me of Charles Barkley, like somebody who's just is extremely dynamic with the ball at his size, at that kind of uh, shorter, big build, and right. can still jump out of the gym. We're going to see what happens, though, and, and I wonder if if he can do it with the way that he's doing it right now. I think he's going to have to make some changes to his body, but either way uh, – Enough about that. I, I want to talk. I want to talk to you really heavily about the Lakers and the Clippers games because you podcasted on Sunday night before either of those two games. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts, broadly speaking, about how Denver performed against the two top seeds in the West. Yeah, I mean it's it's somewhat tough to evaluate the games in whole because the Nuggets punted on both of them. Um, 
So, you, you know, I, but they looked, I mean, when they played, when they played full out, uh, there, there was, uh, certainly, I mean, those, those games were very competitive and, and in some ways it looked like the Nuggets were the better team. In fact, I would say they did look like they were the better team against both of those guys, both those opponents. You know, I think we still saw with the Lakers something that's going to be an issue that that's always been an issue, um, with, with having particular now with Paul Millsap and, and Jokic as your starting front court is that when you get these athletic bigs, two athletic bigs next to each other, uh, the Nuggets really struggle to keep them off the glass. Uh, they struggle to find more openings in in the paint for their guys on offense. And it's it's something, you know, I think about like with, with the Jazz last year, uh, how much the Nuggets struggled because they had Derek Favors playing next to Rudy Gobert. And, and we definitely saw that with the Lakers I think once again, um, you know, it, LeBron had a, had a comeback kind of game. He had, he had been struggling particularly from the outside. I don't know if you can expect him. I think he hit something like five threes in that game or something like that. Yeah. I, I don't think you can necessarily expect him to do that every night against you if you're playing him. So there's, there's a little bit of, I think of an, an anomaly there, but you know, he, he certainly probably looked the best he had looked um, so far in the bubble in that game. And that's, you know, it definitely highlights that even though you've got some length on the wings now with with Torrey Craig and Michael Porter Jr., um, you're still going to struggle to contain these uh, ultra talented bigger wings because Torrey Craig is still giving up some size. And well, I think Michael Porter Jr. has looked better on defense in the bubble. Certainly, he's you know he's not not anywhere close to a level of being able to contain um, a guy like that. So. I think there you saw some of the cracks that, that we've always known are there uh, with the Lakers, but at the same time, I think the Lakers um, clearly, like every team that has played the Nuggets in the bubble, they don't quite know how they're going to stop Michael Porter Jr. Uh, if he's on, and and he was on uh, in that game, and he showed no fear. I mean, right right in the the beginning of the game, he he buried sure. that three pointer right in uh, right in the eye of of LeBron. Um, the Clippers, I'm trying to draw, remember, I mean, it's, it's so funny. It's like, it's like, I, I don't have many conclusions from that Clippers game and I know why it's because I was the, the virtual fan. So, um, <laughs> that was, yeah, that's right. Uh, Zach, Zach got the opportunity to be one of the virtual fans in the bubble on the big screen on Wednesday nights. And it was an interesting experience. You were ahead of the, uh, you were ahead of the broadcast a little bit and, and that was interesting, but uh, tell people really quickly what you experienced there. Yeah, so it's um full disclosure, and this this is not not anything that the Nuggets did. It's just the way the NBA's got this set up. Like, I would not recommend um the virtual fan experience to be honest, <laughs> unless you really want to be on TV for a couple of seconds. Which hey, like I got to be on national TV. We got to get a little little time for the take the L on the way out shirt there. Um, but otherwise, generally it kind of sucks because. Basically, how it works is is everybody hops on a uh, a Microsoft Teams call, um, and one of one of the you know one of the quote unquote people on the call is just the game feed, um, and then then everybody else is kind of in this this lobby with each other, and and you know they're encouraging how it was explained to me. I don't know if this is actually true or not, or if they were just trying to get people to be excited. But how it was explained to me was like, hey, they gauge the noise that we're making, and that like increases the volume level i guess of the crowd noise they're pumping into orlando or something which is all that sounded like um 
I don't know. I was like, mm, that seems really hard to <laughs> hard to gauge and pull off. But maybe they did. Um, but so, anyways, so like, there's this bummer because like nobody's supposed to be muted, right? Everybody's supposed to be cheering and stuff. Which some people are cheering, but it's hard for people to get into it. Um, and more, like, I heard more about you know kids wanting ice cream and things like that <laughs> than I did actual cheering. Uh, and then the other thing that's just a bummer is like, it's just. I don't know if maybe it was my computer, which I don't think, I mean, I have a really good internet connection where I'm at, but, um, it was very choppy. Like the stream was way more choppy than it was. Um, what you know, normally I watch games on, on Hulu, uh, if they're on the national TV or if they're unfortunately now I don't have, I don't have local cable anymore. So if they're on altitude, I've been, you know, using other methods, let's just say. And, um, those those all all those streams come in came in way nicer than the uh than the the game feed that we were getting which was also about 15 or so seconds ahead of the feed that's going out on TV because obviously they right. they, they need that 15 seconds to to silence all the all the curse words that are going on on the court um so you couldn't I couldn't watch it on my big TV either I had to watch it on my laptop and I'm in this Teams call where they also have like it's called like lounge mode or lobby mode or something like that. I don't know, but basically all the all the people like sitting in the chairs that you see on the video boards. Well, we have that we have that screen as well in our Teams call. So it's like half of the screen, and not even half because it can't you know it, it can't make the the size fit right. So like it's like like I had like two note cards. One was the uh, one was all the people sitting. In, in our quote unquote section and then the other one was the game so like I'm trying to like watch this tiny little choppy feed with with all these people's kids and, and whatnot going on as background noise and, mm-hmm. and it, it really reminded me of like trying to watch an illegal stream 10 years ago like that's really what it felt like so <laughs> yeah it was you yeah. know the novelty was cool it wore off pretty quick um, also FYI for anybody out there who's trying to get it just because you get in as a virtual fan does not mean you'll actually be um, sitting in in a seat that's being shown on a video board they basically we were allowed to get into the call 45 minutes before tip off and if you weren't one of the people there within that first you know five minutes of of when they opened up the chat room or or the team's call like you weren't going to get on the tv so um if anybody gets that opportunity just be aware like make sure you log in uh, really early so yeah that that makes it hard for me to think much about the the clippers game and takeaways because it's like man i spent most of the time futzing around trying to like see this this <laughs> choppy stream so that's okay I, I i can carry that conversation if you want but that's that's okay like it sounds it sounds like they're they're at least experiencing different things with the fans and and at least trying to yeah, do they're, different they're trying stuff. to make it work sure yeah it's too it's too bad that it that the situation came down to a microsoft teams call but like <laughs> right that's it's that's too bad. Like it, it kind of is actually representative of what we had to deal with for the entire pandemic. Like, what would the pandemic or what would the bubble be without having a Microsoft Teams or a Zoom call for the fans to hop into so that they could watch the actual games being played? That's uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, but but to your point about the Clippers, like it, it was it was a up and down game for the most part. What I will say is that the Nuggets looked really good in the first half. And then they right. stepped off the gas in the at the start of the second half. Uh, during the first half, they were locked in. They they really looked great, and I was happy to see what they were able to put out there on a consistent basis. Uh, Porter did not look lost on the floor. Grant, yeah, he didn't shoot it that well. I I do remember that. Like right, he he kind of struggled. He I remember you're right. He missed his first few shots um, from three, and then I don't know. I guess I'll, I can pull up the. Uh, 
He went he went a four of ten, I'm pretty sure, and and three of the shots were right under the basket, and one of them was a a jumper over the top of I think Reggie Jackson or or Lou Williams, yep. like right at the end of the half. Yep, I remember um, him bearing that on Reggie Jackson. But he was like so in that situation, he makes a lot of sense. He he if he's going to hit his threes, then that performance looks even better. But he didn't. So another thing that so another thing that I quickly that I do remember. Um, was uh, Jeremy Grant was was phenomenal in that game, um, and and kind of carried them for for big stretches and, and looked uh, looked fantastic. So that was another uh, another nice thing to see. He's played he's played really great uh, in the bubble in general. It'll be interesting to see if they stick with Paul Millsap as the starter, um, or if they go with Grant. And I think if, even if they do stick with Millsap as the starter, it's going to be one of those scenarios where you'll probably see Millsap limited to about twenty. 25 minutes in in grant playing closer to 30 i hope Millsap's able to play more like he he's very important to the team defensive construct of this team but he in in a lot of these situations i think over the course of the utah game the la game the the lakers game and the clippers game looked like he was either outmatched physically by a guy like davis or wasn't quick enough to the perimeter against utah and the clippers that's a problem. That's if, if you have him in the starting lineup against a lot of those teams, like you don't want to start those games down twelve to six and have to call a timeout every time. Like it's uh it's it's kind of tough to to hear about, but I really do think that Grant is making a case as the the fourth best player of this group right now. Jokic is always going to be the best guy, and and Murray and Porter are going to take turns looking like the second best guy, and the other will be the third. But Grant. He he really does look like the fourth best player on this team right now, and I don't think it's that close. Yeah, I mean, in particular with Gary Harris and Will Barton out, like there's those would be the only two guys I think who could who could even challenge him. But you know, we're we're not sure uh, if they're going to be healthy at any time. Whether we're even going to get to see them play. I mean, Coach made the comment before the Clippers game, we're going to have to, you know, we we we've got to figure out how to how to survive without those guys. So, um, you know, I mean, otherwise, I mean, Monty Morris has played, I think, pretty well. Uh, in this bubble True. as well, so True. he would be there. But yeah, no, I mean Jeremy Grant. Outside of obviously Michael Porter Jr., um, Jeremy Grant has probably been the biggest revelation. Not that he he wasn't, you know, it's he's not like MPJ in the fact that he you know was basically not playing at all or, or had very minimal impact. He's he's had a pretty big impact throughout the season. But he looks, I mean, he looks good. He really does. He's 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 an exciting player. And, and, and to be honest, he looks like a guy who knows he's he's up for a new contract at the end of this thing. So. Um, True. Which which works the, for for the next you know month and a half certainly works towards the uh, the Nuggets benefit if if he continues to play like this they're gonna they're gonna probably have to pay him quite a bit um, to keep him but like honestly like you look at him next to Michael Porter Jr. with Jokic the Nuggets have gone to that a lot in the bubble and it's looked really good like it that looks like the future of this team in terms of the front court. I was just gonna say I I felt very comfortable before the bubble talking about the Murray Porter Grant Jokic starting lineup and then worrying about the the two guard when it comes to it. But after the like after the seeding games and and we'll talk about the the last seeding game in the final segment of this. But after after these <laughs> after the first seven seeding games, we'll say. Uh, I feel even more confident about the Murray Porter Grant Jokic group just because of how dynamic they've looked on the offensive side, and they'll eventually lock in defensively. I, I do feel confident about that. Let me ask you this: I'm going to sidetrack just a bit. Where, where do you where do you add on Bol Bol 
as in terms of the future. Like, I think we can all probably agree. Like, he's not going to probably play in the playoffs unless well, sure. maybe I mean, I, I, I could see. But Mason Plumlee has, has held his own as I guess is Mason Plumlee has been what you would expect out of Mason Plumlee. Um, yeah. So I, I don't <laughs> right, but uh, I don't I don't expect uh, he you know and he, he, I mean he's one of Malone's whoopies so uh, I, I don't expect Bull to take too much of his minutes away and I, I would expect in the playoffs you know if let's say Barton in 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 Harris are still out I think you're you know you're running with their their starting five um, and then you've probably got Plumley Grant and Morris and that's probably your your rotation for the uh, for the playoffs maybe PJ Dozier sneaks in there as well. Um, but I mean, where are you at? I guess in terms of bowl bowl on the field, like, have you seen enough in this in these seeding games to be like, yeah, that guy is part of this team's future? Uh, no, and I know that that's probably tough to say for or tough to hear for Nuggets fans. But as as much as I love the long boys concept, as much as I think that it is it is awesome to think about and that bowl bowl doing stuff, it looks really fun. It really does, and I do get it. Uh. I don't think it's a guarantee that he's in the rotation next year uh, because I don't know what his position is yet. I think there's yeah. there's as much of a claim that he's a center as he is a small forward. Yeah, I and agree. With that skill set and with that with the potential injury problems that he could have, on top of the injury concerns that you know Michael Porter Jr. has, you can't be relying on these injured on these potentially injury prone pieces. On top of already like like. Harris and Barton are still under contract next year. I don't know about what they're what they're really going to do with those guys, but that's not really going anywhere unless they make a move. Like right. the Nuggets have been impacted by injury. Paul Millsap has been impacted by injury in each of the three years of his ninety million dollar contract. Like yep. I am tired of having to deal with a whole bunch of injuries to key Nuggets personnel. And then having to tell people just when they get healthy, when they get healthy, it's going to be fine. And then when the Nuggets get healthy, it's they actually look worse. <laughs> like, right. I uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Bobo. I suspect that he would look even better in a featured starting role on a re- rebuilding roster. Sure, but I I I don't know if I want to give up on that talent. That dude could be the most talented of any Nugget on the roster. For sure. Yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think you give up on him, and I think you do give him a full NBA deal uh, for next year. But basically, right right with him, what you're hoping is, is, hey, let's follow the Michael Porter Jr. path, right? He pretty much sat out the first season. Um, let's see you. Maybe we can bring you along slowly the next season and in the stretch run of maybe next year, maybe you find a spot for him. You know, I don't know if he's going to explode like, like MPJ has, but, um, you know, maybe you do find like a spot. I think the thing that is going to be pressing though for the Nuggets is, is Mason Plumlee is not under contract next year. And so do you, do you believe enough in bowl bowl to be the backup center? And I'm kind of with you. I'm like, "Mm, that's probably pushing it right now. And I, I tend to think he's not, I I said this in our, uh, in our Slack chat in one of the games, I was like, bowl bowl just does not realize that he's seven foot two. Like, the guy he plays like he's a seven foot two guy, and and he plays like a small forward, and that's that's the good and the bad. Like he, you, right. you see these crazy things, and and he's bringing up the the ball up the court, and he can handle it. He also doesn't seem to like crash the boards as hard as he could. He doesn't seem to to be as good of a rim protector as he could. Even though you know, like we've obviously seen him make some crazy blocks, but it's like there is sometimes I feel like he could he could really be trying you know, more to do, to be that rim protector that the Nuggets generally need. 
Um, and he just doesn't do it. It's like he, he doesn't realize like, dude, if you just jump a little bit here, you can you can totally swat that guy or you're not even swat him. You can just alter a guy's shot um, simply by standing there and holding your arms. Like that's one of the things I think they've, they've got to work on with Bull Bull is like, man, when you're on defense and you're down there in the paint, just like hold your arms up and like like it'll you'll get a bunch of rebounds that way. And you'll you'll alter a bunch of shots that way, and he 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 doesn't quite seem to fit that mold. Now he does have the passing ability, I think, to fill that kind of role. The original idea of Mason Plumley, um, you know, being that like kind of like Jokic light kind of guy, which which is a tall ask for anyone to do. So I think sure. Bull can do that, but I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that he's a center. And and the thing is, is is you've got it kind of got to figure out well who's your backup center for next season are you gonna are you gonna try and re-up mason plumley are you gonna maybe try and re-up noah vonley do you think that guy could be that role or are you gonna roll with bull bull or are you gonna try and find someone from outside that's i think the question they need to answer because yeah i don't think he he's going to be taking too many minutes on the wing given that suddenly now the nuggets are like stacked on the wings and they're going to need to figure out probably they're going to probably have a hard time finding minutes for all those guys anyways. If I had to predict what happens, I think the following. Uh, if you believe in Grant and Porter and Jokic being the starting trio next year, that's perfectly fine. Millsap is more of a big than Grant, who's more of a wing. So I think yep. that on your backup unit, you can't have Bull as the de facto start or the de facto backup center and then not really have another true big behind him. Because if if you get into a situation where you need to play against teams that are going big, you probably have to have another guy that you can count on. So I don't know if it's Mason Plumley. I don't know if it's Noah Vonley. But, and I actually kind of think that it's probably somebody that's not on the roster right now. Sure. Uh, but I think you probably bring back Bull Bull on that Monte Morris special like you were talking about. And you just roll with it and say, hey, uh, if you can earn minutes, Bull, go ahead. We would love for you to earn minutes, but you have to do the things that we need you to do. You have to build up your body. You have to play the right way. And if it all goes well, then maybe he shows some of that star potential in that role. And maybe his role expands by the end of the next season. But I don't know. I, I still have trouble with it because even more so than Michael Porter Jr., even more so than Nikola Jokic was when he was first a rookie and a sophomore. Like, I just, I, so much of the unicornness of Bull Bull is very hard for me to comp- contemplate. Right. Yeah. And it's, again, I mean, coach is probably like, how, how do I make this guy work? Like, where do I fit this guy? <laughs> he's, he's probably on the borderline of quitting. Let's be honest. Like, if, if they throw Bull Bull into the regular rotation next year and say, all right, dude, you are definitely playing 20 minutes, my God. Michael Malone might have an aneurysm. Well, he'll definitely lose all the hair that he grew back. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, okay. Any parting takeaways from the Clippers and Lakers stuff? Actually, let me ask you one more question. Did yep. they ever look overmatched in the matchups? Um, no. And I think that's that's probably the best the best takeaway from this. Like I said, I think a lot of, in a lot of ways when they when they had their their starters out there. Um, they looked they looked every bit as as talented as those guys you know and i mean the clippers are um i don't know i mean is montres harrell going to he's he's pretty much done right like at this point he would have had to have come back oh no uh, he he's he's going to come back i think he'll be okay. ready for the playoffs when they when they ultimately get him back but he's in the bubble he was quarantining okay okay gotcha so yeah i see i didn't know that i just know yeah i saw i saw he was quote yeah self isolating but but they put self isolating down for i guess anybody who's whether they're 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 not i think but yeah. Um, yeah, so he's, um, 
he's a guy that I think is is, is kind of a, a, a makes somewhat of what you look at against that Clippers game as well. How much can you take from it because? Uh, he's such a huge part. Like, if you got to have him or Monty Morris, or not Monty Morris, um, what do you think is he? Oh, gosh, now I can't remember which Morris plays for the, uh, the uh, Marcus. 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 Yeah. Well, yeah, right, because Mark Keefe is out of the league, right? Or does he play for the Pistons? He's in the oh. he's on the Lakers right now. Is he? Oh, that's right. Yeah, God, that's <laughs> The Morrises uh, just keep showing up in weird places. <laughs> Right, um, but you know, obviously, if you got Montrezl Harrell out there instead of him, it's it's a bit different of a game. I mean, so uh, the Nuggets looked outmatched, obviously, in the fourth quarter of that game. Um, yeah. But they, they, at that point, yeah, like who cares? And they were they were obviously uh, done trying, anyways. Um, but yeah, I think in both of those games, I I felt like when when their starters were out there, when they were engaged, um, they didn't they didn't look overmatched at all. I think, and I think so much of that comes down to. Um, even though MPJ didn't play that great against the Clippers, like it's so much of it comes down to him though. Right. Because like he is this guy, this just ultra talent that we're seeing. And it's like, how do you, how do you just, I mean, it's the same, it's the same. It, it sounds crazy to say, and it, it sounds like it's a hyperbole, but it's the same thing with Kevin Durant. Like, how do you stop a guy who can shoot that good at that height and so fluid with his movements? Like you, you can't, you just hope that he, he has an off night. And, and when he's on, as we have seen time and again in this bubble, when he is on, it completely changes the dynamic of this team to where suddenly, you know, it, you can't even be like, well, we'll just focus on Jokic. And, you know, I think a lot of teams do that right now is, well, we'll focus on Jokic and trying to at least limit Jokic. And if Jamal Murray kills us, then so be it. You can't do that now. Like it, Michael Porter Jr. will kill you if you don't focus on him. So with him in added into this, like I, I don't think they're they're overmatched by by anybody in this league. I agree. Uh, I think my my primary takeaway from that was that Jokic looked elite. He looked about as good as anybody on the floor. And Murray was guarded by Kawhi and Porter was guarded by Paul George on many of those possessions. And I didn't think either of them look overmatched on that end. So that's great to see. It, it's just, I don't know, whether they can defend Kawhi and Paul George well enough in the bubble remains to be seen. I think having Gary Harris back to guard Lou Williams off the bench would be great. Uh, yeah. If that doesn't happen, then I think the Nuggets probably lose, and they probably go down in like six games. But we'll see. We'll we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, I'm I I feel good. I, I I came away from both of those games feeling good about Denver's chances. For sure, I'm with you on that. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to get into some of the playoff races, uh, talk about some of the stuff that's happened in the East, and then break down in more depth the Western Conference. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, we're back. This is the Denver Stiff Show. I'm Ryan Blackburn, joined by Zach Mikosh. Uh, I don't normally ask for this, but it would be a joy if you could go rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. 
it's it would mean the world if you did it just because we we are working hard on our content lately uh we even had an episode of the dig come out yesterday so it was a lot of good stuff coming on with this denver stiff show with nuggets numbers with the dig with the pickaxe podcast of course uh zach and gordon have been doing excellent work there for a long long time and it's been a great kickoff show on mondays so make sure to keep tuning into the program because we we've been doing a lot of great stuff uh zach would you concur I would concur. I would. I think uh, I've been very impressed um, with our staff across the board. Everybody has really, uh, really been working hard and 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 doing great work. And and we we and I want to say thank you um, to everybody out there listening and reading. We've we've definitely also seen uh, a huge uptick uh, in terms of our traffic, which is which is awesome. I mean, we probably owe the biggest thank you to Michael Porter Jr. for that, but whatever. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely us. It's definitely us. Um, but yeah, it's it's been um, it's it's been great these past couple of weeks with the, with everybody working so hard. And yeah, definitely, definitely, as I always say on our show, make sure you're subscribing uh, to the Denver Skiffs, Denver Skiffs, Denver Stiffs <laughs> podcast network um, because you you get all you get all the shows that way, right? If you're out there, if you go out and look for the Dig or for the Pickaxe podcast or for uh, nuggets numbers or something like that like you you won't find it you have to subscribe to the denver stiffs podcast network and then you get all those shows uh as they as they come out so it's a great way to to get get tons of nuggets content and get tons of different voices and perspectives and and each show is unique you know we all we all kind of do our own thing which is a really cool thing about it as well so uh make sure you guys are subscribing and obviously five star ratings uh they just go so far in terms of um the way the algorithms and stuff like that works. So uh, if you guys can do that, if you feel we deserve that, we don't want any handouts, um, <laughs> but if you feel we deserve that, then we would certainly appreciate it. If, if you love the show, we would love for you to show us some love because it helps us grow the show and it helps other people listen to it too. So we, we love to keep putting out great, excellent content for everybody. Uh, okay. Let's look at some of these playoff races because I think this is a lot of fun and it, everything wrapped up today with the win by the Portland Trailblazers over the Brooklyn Nets. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but, uh, and we, we kind of led with it too, but, uh, let's start in the East because I think that's pretty simple and straightforward. Uh, the one eight matchup between Milwaukee and Orlando should be a sweep. You know, that'll, be, that'll be four games. Yeah. If and Giannis might even arrest in a game and they could still sweep. <laughs> right, right. Let's be real. I saw somebody say I saw some somebody on, on Twitter say, like, you know, can we just maybe not have Orlando play and just let Phoenix have that spot instead? Like that would be way better. It would be way better. I I would be very much down for that. Um uh, same thing with Toronto and Brooklyn, although Brooklyn has been showing up in the bubble. Been very impressed with what they did tonight. And they, they went 5-3 and three in the bubble and, and really didn't have to. Like, they were pretty much guaranteed once Washington started sucking. Right. Um, do you think they could push Toronto at all? Uh, a little bit. I mean, if Karis LeVert plays like he played tonight, like, there's um, – there, that, that guy's going to be a problem. But uh, – well, and, and the other thing about Toronto that I think that I look at, and, and maybe it's unfair, but Toronto reminds you of that team – um of the of the 2013 nuggets i was just i knew how did i know you were going to say that 100 percent, no one what like the the 2015 hawks right was another team that was kind of like like that like like they're they're a good collection of talent but as we see so many times in these playoffs um if you don't have the guy that you can go to in crunch time and they've got the i mean kyle lauer is a very good player pascal siakam is, is obviously a very good player and like maybe one of those guys will step up and be the guy but like they don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore, and and so when you don't have that guy, I think sometimes 
Uh, th- those are the teams at least you see get prone to upset uh, a lot. I mean, it, the Toronto has played very well in the bubble as well, though. So um, I don't. I, I think I think Brooklyn could push them. You know, maybe it goes six, but ultimately I think Toronto comes comes away with the victory there. I think you're probably right. No, no real need to to add to that conversation. I think it, it's a very boring series, and uh, those two series actually got the majority of the NBA TV matchups, which I think is fascinating. The Nuggets didn't get a single one. Do you think? Do you think because the Nuggets, well, they didn't get a single. Well, there is one. We do have one TBD. That the, is true, and game, that's probably let's let's be decided. honest. Like I, I do understand that that's probably where it's going to go. Right, right, yeah. They're like, well, maybe some other people get eliminated. You know, if there are some other sweeps, maybe they can they'll sneak that one in. Um, do you think that the the Nuggets because they have the the thing that is a bummer as they they play a bunch of afternoon games. Um, I wondered though. I was like, did they do that because they know there's going to be a large uh, following from Serbia, and so they were like, let's uh, let's make it a little bit easier for these guys to watch the game, so it's not coming on at two in the morning. I hope so. I think that's kind of cool. I, I I would be. More than happy if that was the case. It's it's kind of tough for the people that are in the states, but uh, for the people that are in Serbia, this is kind of a it's a late night affair at that point. But it's still still enjoyable, and and I hope uh, I hope that they they get to enjoy that on a consistent basis because they're that that's game one, but game two and three, I'm pretty sure are at the next time slot, which I think is 2 p.m. Yeah, here. 2 p.m. Mountain. Yeah. And then I think it's like 9.30 Serbian time, but I could be wrong. Not 9.30. It would be, it would be 9 or 10 or whatnot. But uh, I, I don't know. It's it's a good thought. I, I hadn't really thought of it before. Let me see. I'm going to read some quick. So it's six. So they are technically, um, what are they, eight hours in front of us, uh, technically. So, yeah. So they're, yes, the two o'clock games are like, are like a 10 o'clock at night game for them and then the uh you know the that that 11:30 a.m. game that's like primetime Serbia that's that, so that's kind of cool like that, that they're going to get game 1 yeah at, in primetime good for them good for good for Serbia and honestly it could be France as well yeah France with Rudy Gobert that's a good point and then they're uh well no Australia is going to be well actually Australia <laughs> might no yeah, they're, yeah they're, no cuz it It'll it's, know. it's it's no so I, so since I I mean I used to I did live in New Zealand for for a little bit. I don't mean to offend any Aussies. Yes, I know they're different places, <laughs> but um, they're they're similar time zones is what I'm getting at. I think they they they're like it's like they're six hours behind us, but it's actually that they're eighteen hours like ahead of us. Oh yeah, so um, let's let's do that math. If if it was a two p.m. and they're six yeah, hours, they're behind, early morning games. Yeah, yeah, then that's uh that's a. Oh God! Right. Uh, I remember. I man, I remember 8 watching. Eight a.m. Eight a.m. Yeah, yeah, eight a.m. That's right. I remember um, watching the Super Bowl and getting drunk at like ten in the morning over there in New cool. Zealand. Let's yeah, be honest. <laughs> trying to explain to my Kiwi friends how football works. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, that the the Toronto and Brooklyn series is not going to go that long. Uh, Boston and Philly. Where are you at with Philly right now? Um. Well, I mean, with. The injuries, it's um, – I guess I haven't seen how long Embiid or if that was serious with him. He's um, healthy. He'll be good enough. Okay. Yeah, but Ben Simmons, right? We don't know. Is that the – Oh, no, he's out. He's, yeah, I think okay, he's, he's out. out. Right, that's right. He had surgery, right? And he's, yeah. he's basically done um, or is going to get surgery. Yeah, so that that that's obviously a huge um, a huge factor in it. So you would assume that Boston is going to – uh, is going to prevail there. I haven't really kept up with Boston in the bubble. I assume they've they've been all right. They've been good. Um, they've they've been their their point differentials good. Um, and and Tatum started off really poorly, but has been, since been very very good. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would I would assume Boston's coming out of that one um, with the victory, and and then then we'll have a, a more of a challenge there in that second round because without Ben Simmons, uh, I mean, I'm just not a huge. I mean, Joel Embiid is is obviously a very very good player, um, but I'm just not a huge believer in that he he by himself is going to be able to um, carry a team. And, and I mean, obviously Philadelphia has uh, a very very talented squad around him. But again, it comes down to that thing. Like you got to have the guy. And while I think Joel Embiid can be the guy, is he going to be able to be the guy over a seven game series against the Boston Celtics? Probably not. Grand Boston doesn't have a lot uh, to throw at him at the center position. Uh, well, I mean, you know, they got the guy who, who will do whatever it freaking takes. <laughs> eat his canter. <laughs> you know, honestly, I heard, I heard Zach Lowe or, or somebody of that, caliber on a podcast over the course of the last couple days say that uh robert williams is actually probably going to be the more prevalent uh boston backup center uh daniel tice is the the main starter but right. robert williams a former texas a&m guy former 2016 draft pick that i really wanted to uh i really wanted the nuggets to draft in 2016 yeah, you and gordon both were big on big williams boosters Big Bob boosters, and uh, yeah, at the I remember there was there was a story after that draft uh, that because Robert Williams kind of unexpectedly dropped into the second round. That's how the Boston Celtics got him. They got him like thirty right. second overall or something like that. When I thought he was around a, the fifteenth best prospect, um, he dropped. And one of the reasons why they call him the Time Lord in there is because he was immediately late to his press conference for being a draftee. The next day, they had no idea where that. he was. Yep. They had like it was it was one of the bigger stories that came out of that draft was that they had literally no idea where where he was, and I think that's why they call him the Time Lord. That's funny, yeah. It, when you bring that up now, I do remember that, and right, and it was it, that was why he dropped was was kind of maturity uh, sort of issues, if I remember right. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I, I think the Jokic is greater than Embiid take is, is pretty standard now. Uh, but the Porter is greater than Tatum take. It's, it hasn't quite taken hold yet, but uh, I'm, I just want to plant that little seed into people when uh, when Porter looks like how Tatum looked like in his first year against LeBron James when those when Tatum played him as a rookie and pushed the Cavaliers to seven. Yeah, I, I mean, in a lot of ways, the, the, the very similar games there. Uh, and so you when you look at uh, Porter versus Tatum, in a lot of ways, you could look at, well, they could be similar guys, but what, Porter's got – Two inches on him, so that makes um, that makes a bit of maybe even two more. And yeah, no, I mean, they, he's listed as six eight, and I think Porter's six ten, maybe Porter's six eleven. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're 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 getting you're potentially getting just a bigger version of Jason Tatum, which just makes it that much more difficult. Which is cool. It's it's great that the Nuggets have both of those guys, and they also have Jamal Murray, who I think is going to be an All Star. So that's great. Uh, okay, Miami versus Indiana. Uh, does the Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren beef interest you at all in any no, I way? I don't care. No, yeah, like, me neither. <laughs> such like a, I mean, it's not a fake beef because those guys are both, um, they're that type of guy, right? Like where they, they get, get into these silly beefs with each other and they take it very seriously. But like, no, I don't, I mean, I don't I mean, I understand TJ Warren has played outstanding in the bubble, but like, let's be honest, it's TJ freaking Warren. Um, and, and Jimmy, Jimmy Butler is just it's an act almost to me at this point with him. And it's just like tiring. And I, I just like, I just don't care. I will say this though. I mean, I think Miami is a very talented team. I think they're one of the most underrated teams um, in the, in the NBA right now. And I, I would expect them to, I mean, I would expect them to beat uh, the Pacers. Obviously the Pacers are dealing with some, some trouble there with, um, 
you know, DeMontis Sabonis is probably not playing at all right with the plantar fasciitis. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's that's been up in the air, and, and you get conflicting reports on that. So he might be back, but he also might sit the entire time. Um, yeah, this, well, and, and with that injury, that's one of those things, and it makes sense that it's up in the air because it's one of those things. It's just a pain management thing. Like, there, you, yeah. can't, you can't fix it until with either rest or you go and get surgery. So, like... He's gonna he's gonna have to just get through the pain, and it's a, a very painful injury as well. So um, it's just a matter of yeah whether or not he can be effective while dealing with that. So sounds it makes awful. sense that it's up in the air. Uh, this feels very much like Nuggets versus Jazz in the East, at least from yeah. a national coverage perspective. Uh, very like like two quality teams. Don't get me wrong. One of them, Miami, and in our case, Denver, looks like they could be a real challenger to the teams at the top with the talent that they have. Uh, but overall, like I, I just don't care that much about this matchup in general. Like I, I could see it going either way. If Indiana gets a bonus back and they look like the team and, and Victor Oladipo looks like he's good, then I think that they could win. Yeah, for sure, and that that's kind of the bummer about it. I think with Indiana is just them not; they just can't. They they haven't been able to get healthy um, for you know the better part of two seasons now. And it's if they are all the way healthy, like I think they're they're a sneaky, sneaky good team, like sneakily one of the best teams in the NBA. Um, but without without those without Sabonis and, and Oladipo uh, at full strength, they're they're just they're gonna they're missing that piece. And so it's it's a bummer that they won't have it because, like I said, I mean, even if Sabonis plays, I don't expect him to be fully 100%. So it's a bummer that they don't, um, that, that we won't get to see that. Otherwise, they I think they could be a team that could that could really surprise a lot of people. I'm with you. Um, I, I don't know who I'd, I think I'd probably pick Miami in that series, but I will just we'll just have to see what happens from that perspective. Uh, let's move over to the West real quick before we get out of here. Um, and I guess well we're gonna table the actually oh no we'll we'll talk about Nuggets Jazz after after everything. Yeah, I was like we do we should probably talk at least a little bit of Nuggets on this Nuggets podcast. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe so. Uh, okay, uh, in the West we have the L.A. Lakers versus the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, a quick word on the Suns who were eliminated from the playoffs today. Uh, I was wrong about Devin Booker, but also very right. I didn't think that he would reach his level that he hadn't. Over the past couple of days, over the past couple of weeks, uh, but one of the reasons why he reached it was because they put so many competent pieces around him and it allowed him to flourish a little more. They finally got a good coach. They finally got a GM. They signed Ricky Rubio. Development from DeAndre Ayton from year one to year two. A quality wing play from Mikael Bridges, who I wanted badly in 2018. Yeah, yeah and I think Cam, we all did. And Cam Johnson, who I laughed at the Suns for taking in 2019. Uh, those guys have all been good. They've all been cohesive, and it makes a lot of sense. Their roster yeah. makes sense now. Saying, it didn't missed, used to. You missed Kelly Oubre, too, who's another. So did they. Um, he didn't play in the bubble. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's in terms of a team, like, yeah, it, it's a bummer that they came up short. Um, but that is a team that you would expect to. I expect them to be right back where they were at again this season, you know, competing for one of the lower playoff seeds. Uh, and and taking they 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 in in a way somewhat remind me of where Denver was at just a couple seasons ago right like they're, yeah. they're finally on that cusp of breaking through and now they just got to find a way to break into the playoffs maybe maybe they won't do it the way Denver did by jumping all the way up to a two seed um, but they've definitely got you know they've definitely got a a 
talented squad around them. And, and I'm with you. Like, I, I definitely, like, I mean, I, the Suns were, have kind of been a laughing stock for a long time. And I just thought, you know, eh, Devin Booker's just a, just a chucker who's out to get, you know, fill up his empty stats. Um, Kevin Love wasn't a chucker, but it kind of reminded me of that, right? A guy who just fills up stats on bad teams. Right. And, and, and they, they've been much more than that. Like, they, they've been very, very impressive um, in, in this bubble. And I think they're going to be a team that, yeah, is is going to be one of those sort of fringe playoff teams, and and potentially then will become a perennial playoff team if they continue up their progression. Uh, they are definitely a team that is a threat to sign away one of Denver's power forwards, whether it's Jeremy Grant or whether it's Paul Millsap. They could go either direction, and I think both of those guys could be useful to that squad. But I I would wonder about that if I were the Nuggets, and so Nuggets fans keep an eye out for that one that they. They could be a threat to pay Jeremy Grant big money, and I I could see that really being interesting to Jeremy Grant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the thing that really matters from this is that no one other than the Lakers is coming out of the one eight matchup. So the Portland right. Trailblazers and the Phoenix and the Memphis Grizzlies are going to match up in the play in tournaments, and whoever wins that play in tournament is going to get the eighth seed. I would guess it's Portland based off of everything right now, but. As great as Damian Lillard keeps showing, the Lakers are just better. They're probably going to mm-hmm. sweep them. End of story. Yeah, I mean, you might get a gentleman sweep where you have a game where Dame just goes off and scores 60 or something like that and, and pulls out a win. I could see that happening. But yeah, they're they're Portland can't defend a paper bag. And so like when you've got when you've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis to defend, like they're they're going to have um, some serious struggles there, and I would expect that it will be a very quick series. It was really evident in the game tonight that in a must-win game, the the Blazers had nobody to stop a six foot seven Karis Levert. Like nobody, Gary Trent had no chance to stop him, and CJ yeah. McCollum just kind of like like he was there, uh, but Karis kind of gave way to some of the things that CJ let him do. Like he let him take a jump shot, and Karis unfortunately and unbro- uh, he. He obliged there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with with Gary Trent, I mean, I, I Gary Trent's a good defender. I, I think he's a really good defender, actually. But um, you know what what happened? What the problem that that he runs into, and that what we saw tonight was he gets himself into foul trouble, and now he can't be as aggressive as he wants to be because he doesn't want to foul out of the game. And when you take that aggression away from a guy like that, a pesky perimeter guy, uh, you know, then then he's suddenly uh, much less effective. And so that that certainly hurt them. I mean, uh, but other outside of him, I mean, like I guess you know, Yusuf Nurkic is obviously can be an, a, an imposing force um, down there in, in the middle of the paint. But he's, I don't know. I mean, he just doesn't ever has never struck me as a guy who is going to be a super great defense. Like he'll never be a candidate for defensive player of the year, right? Like he's not. Yeah. That he's, type of center. He's not a he's not a guy who's going to rise all tides like a Rudy Gobert is. Right. I, that's that's my opinion on him. And Joel Embiid is the same way. Some of these physical presences, uh, I don't think anybody's super scared of challenging Yusuf Nurkic at the rim. Right. Um, but I mean, maybe that could be the downfall for a team like the uh, Lakers. Maybe they decide to challenge Nurkic at the rim and he responds. Uh, it hasn't worked in the past for Nurkic, and good but for him yeah, for. I think Anthony Davis challenging him at the rim is gonna be just. <laughs> Uh, I I look forward to wishing Yusuf Nurkic a happy autumn. Uh, as for the Clippers and the Mavericks matchup, that's the two seven. I think that's kind of fascinating. But that's like if there's any trial by fire initiation for Luka Doncic into the playoffs, it's facing the Clippers in round one. 
Yeah, and it's the the thing is 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 the Clippers are probably the worst team for Dallas to face because they've got they've got Luka Doncic who's who's making his NBA playoff debut. I know, I mean, Luka's obviously played a lot of really big games um over in Europe, but it it is just different. It's they, there's it's not comparable. He's never played a a game at against NBA talent in playoff intensity and it, it as we all know as people who've watched it and, and I'm sure as he knows too um it is a different game once the playoffs start and, and he's going to have to adjust that and the problem is is yeah he's going to get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on him the entire time who are two of the best perimeter defenders in the league so it's it's hard to see Dallas being able to overcome that and in overcome the playoff inexperience you know I mean uh, Chris Stapps is is another guy who's who's going to be making his first um, playoff appearance. He's he's a guy who uh, obviously is very talented, but again, I mean, if you've got Montrezl Harrell, like that's a good guy to put on him. Or you can, you know, you could even play small and like, yeah, like maybe uh, he's going to try and shoot over Paul George, but Paul George is probably also going to take away a lot of what what Porzingis can do in terms of putting the ball on the floor. So. The Dallas is a talented team. Another team that's got a bright future in front of them. A team that I think is going to, from this point forward, probably be perennial, always in in the playoffs. Um, and is a team that looks like they've they've got a chance to um, develop into a a championship contender. But for this first series, um, uh, for this core to go in, like there there's just there's going to be a lot to overcome uh, in terms of the talent they're up against. And it, it's hard to see them doing it, even with uh, a player as talented as Luka Doncic. Uh, Luka's, Luka's going to be great, I think. I, I do think that he might be a little bit more limited than he usually is, just because Kawhi and Paul George, like that makes a lot of sense. Uh, if Kristaps Porzingis could carry a heavy load offensively, really space the floor, hit a lot of perimeter jumpers, like I think that's something that could help the Mavericks in this situation. Maybe it pulls an, an extra defender away from the rim and Luka can go to work one-on-one a little bit easier. But right. I don't know. I think this could be a sweep by the Clippers, or it could also be Dallas finding another gear and maybe pushing them a little bit. But I think the more likely outcome is a sweep. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if I'd go all the way to the sweep again. It's another thing. I think that they, they probably, you know, again, Luca could have a, just have a crazy game um, and pull out a win or, or two or whatever, but there, there doesn't seem like it'll be much of a challenge to Los Angeles. Uh, I mean, again, out, because outside of those two guys, I mean, that's, that's the other thing about Dallas. They, they've got to do some more work on building that team around those two guys. Uh, they, they've got some, some okay pieces, but there, I mean, is there anybody else on Dallas that even like remotely scares you? Uh, there are Michael Porter Jr. away from looking really good in a playoff series. I think that's right. probably that's that's where the Nuggets were last year, and they found their Michael Porter Jr. in the form of Michael Porter Jr. So that's great. Uh, the Mavericks, no, I think I think Tim Hardaway Jr. could be like he could get hot mm. sometimes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Tim Hardaway Jr. is like a perfect sixth man. Yeah, I I do. I would like to see him gun from that position. He's looked really good this season, but anybody's going to look good in that in that system with Luca and Kristaps spacing the floor and them going five out. I think it just it makes a lot of sense that some of those guys would look very good. It's yeah, going to get a lot tougher. Going to get a lot tougher in a playoff series. Uh, okay, let's move to Houston versus OKC before heading into Nuggets Jazz. Uh, Houston v OKC. Westbrook is kind of hobbled by a quad injury right now. Does that change your perspective of who you like most in this series? 
Uh, it definitely does. I, I probably, I mean, not totally. I, I probably, man, it's tough. I, I probably still like Houston, and, and, and OKC is a good matchup for them because, yeah, they have Steven Adams, but OKC is another team that wants to play small. Um, right. And, and so that that's going to work into what Houston's trying to do. It's going to be, these are going to be very high scoring games um, and, and a lot of running it up and down the court, a lot of shooting. And, and without Russ, it definitely, because Russ is a type of guy who, like, he can really put. He can really make um, whether it's Chris Paul or, or Shea Gilgis Alexander or whoever they put on him. I mean, they'll they. You would have assumed they would have probably put. Um, I don't know. I mean, would you put Lou? You're probably putting Lou Dort on on James Harden. So 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 there's there's a report earlier. I think it was yesterday or the day before that Lou Dort has a small injury. Right, and um, I say yeah, no, that's true. Lou Dort's got some sort of knee injury um, going. On. Well, he got hurt in that game, um, in the last game they played. So. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen whether or not that's a uh, that how serious that's going to be. So without without him, I, I actually think that guy is a a pretty big part of what OKC does. Um, without him, you know, I mean, you're going to be dependent on a guy like Andre Roberson a lot more probably to to fill that role, and so it's going to be tough, I think. Um, to to do that or in some ways offsets losing Russell Westbrook because you're you don't have your 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 stud defender but right. the thing about not having Russ is if if you were going to put Lou Dort on James Harden well then then either Shea Gilgis Alexander or Chris Paul is going to have to work a lot harder on defense uh to to contain that guy which means they're probably not going to be able to do as much on offense so i think it does affect it in that way i still like houston um in this series overall but it, it this one though is one that i think um could definitely go seven with with russ out i'm intrigued i i do think like you said that okc needs another guy another wing defender out there to guard harden or guard westbrook because if you ask chris paul and shake just alexander to do it the entire time they're going to get tired and they're not going to be as a as important and, and effective on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, but the brightest timeline by far is if this trade were to go down between Russ and Harden and then for the Thunder to win in the first round of the playoffs. Like, while Houston is trying to practice microball and for Steven Adams to just dominate them on the offensive glass, that would yeah. be the brightest timeline. I do not feel as much ire for a team like OKC as I used to in the past with Russ and Paul George and Kevin Durant in tow. Uh, this current group, I, I would root for them against the the Rockets, who are they're not as fun to root for. Yeah, they're um yeah, well the Rockets are just I mean they're just not a fun team to watch, basically, is is what it comes down to because I mean, at least for me, I mean James Harden is obviously a fantastic player, but um just not really my style of player that I like to watch. It's yeah tough tough at times and, and and i think that's that's kind of drives somewhat of the feelings against houston in general more so than okc um i also just i mean i've been a big fall of, a big, big big fan of chris paul this this season he's he's i think really kind of re reinvigorated himself a guy who was basically wrote off at the beginning of the season as, as somebody that okc was just kind of salary dump and, and okc as a team was kind of wrote off once you know they had to trade paul george is like Hey, we're going to, you know, all right, we're going to get Chris Paul. We're going to, we're going to start, um, you know, dumping guys left and right, trying to get a salary. I mean, Jeremy Grant said at media day that he was getting out of a sinking ship and, and that ship has not sunk. Like they, they have absolutely crazy. 
yeah, they they they've stepped up. So I, I think it's a it's a good you know it's a good story. It's a little bit scary because the thing you got to remember is OKC is like stacked with first round picks now, um, and and could be could be able to make, do a rebuild very quickly, uh, which I think they're still headed to because I mean Chris Paul isn't getting any younger. Sure, uh, but but they're they're a team that um, yeah that I that I don't mind rooting for at all, and, and it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to think, see. I was thinking, you know, if you if you had Russ back and you have Lou Dort back, then do you just uh, do you? I mean, because Houston plays so small, right? Could you do you just put do you put Gallo on Harden and and put Lou Dort on Russ, and that's the way nah, you go? Or do you I think, try something I think different? You probably put Shea Gilgis Alexander on on Harden, and and you just let it ride that way. Uh, you they have other options. I think the the ones that they've been going with so far. Terrence Ferguson, Hamadou Diallo, Abdel Nader as a as an offensive weapon, more of a shooting weapon. Uh, yeah, we saw that in the game against OKC for sure. Yeah, he, he's he's good. He he can he can hit in spurts, and that that could be the difference in a game here or there. But uh, in terms of a series long thing, I think you got to put SGA on Harden. You got to put Chris Paul on Russ, and then maybe Dennis Schroeder. Like he'll come into the game and he could probably guard Russ a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I think if you're if you're the Thunder, you have to be a little bit concerned without Dort. He's a guy who you would probably play a lot, and and he could at least get under the skin of Harden a little bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole reason you have Lou Dort is is to get under the skin of of the team's best wing player. So it, it's a huge loss. I like I said, I haven't seen an update on him on whether or not how serious the injury was. Um. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be a bummer if he can't play. I like Lou Dort. He's he's like the the, the super scrappy guy came out of nowhere, um, and has 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 become a, a a vital role player on a, on a on a playoff team. I always love those stories. So hopefully it's not too serious for him. Okay, let's move to Nuggets versus Jazz. This will be the final one that we talk about. Uh, was going to go a little bit more in depth on this, but I I, I do want to limit our time here a little bit. Um, and we'll probably have multiple podcasts to be able to cover this t- this topic anyway. Uh, I don't want to talk about the Nuggets Raptors game because that's just purely a tune up. Like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. it's it's we're we're Gonna basically be a whole lot of Noah Vonley and uh, Troy Daniels in that one. The only thing that I was really looking forward to, to in that game was to see if Gary Harris or Will Barton would be playing, would right. if they could get some run to try and get ready for the playoffs, but. That doesn't seem like the case. I think we can really pencil in the starting lineup for what the Nuggets are going to use in game one, at least. It's going to be Jamal Murray, Torrey Craig, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic. And to me, that's that's a little bit dangerous that you, you're going into the playoffs without Gary Harris, without Will Barton, especially against a team that has Donovan Mitchell, who just cooked the Nuggets in the last time that they faced them. Uh Actually, I won't say that. He scored 35 points on 36 shooting possessions. Let's not be let's not be wild here. He just happened to get really hot in the fourth quarter in overtime. Right. Um but what is your what is the first thing that stands out to you in that matchup when I when you hear me say those line that lineup when you hear when you know who the Jazz have like they don't have anybody else. Nobody is going to surprise you. Uh what stands out? Uh I mean the thing that stands out to me the most is is they put Joe Ingles on on, uh, or you would you would you know think that Joe Ingles is going to have to be their answer uh, to Michael Porter Jr. and um, he's just not like I, I think there's there's one I think Joe Ingles is is starting you know age is starting to show there a little bit um, 
but but two, he I mean he gives up he gives he's given up three four inches on the guy and like there's they they have no one um to put on him so the, the what they're gonna have to do is try to uh try to outscore the Nuggets which is gonna be which is gonna be increasingly tough to do because the Nuggets they, they don't have Utah is like. Nobody on there on scares me on defense, and what's crazy that's crazy to say, right? Because they have Rudy Gobert, a guy who's you know multiple Defensive Player of the Year, and and is is one of the best defenders in the league. Particularly, he's the best, right. best defensive center in the league. But Jokic owns him, like he Jokic has dominated him in every single matchup this season. Like I mean, Jokic put up a 30-20-10 game on him. Like there's there's I'm like not worried whatsoever. Um, about about that matchup at the center position, and so it's like I I don't know where Utah um is going to find find the stops in, in crunch time because Michael Porter Jr. even though he's another a guy, another guy who's never played in playoffs, like you just can tell by like the talent and the way he plays, like yeah, that's a guy if we need a bucket in in a tight playoff game, like we can give it to him and he can probably find one. So like there there's there's just to me there's too much offense on on the Nuggets side that even if Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert are, are scoring well like like they did um in the game that we saw in the bubble like it it it's not going to matter because there's just too much that the Nuggets have for for Utah to be able to contain them. So the Nuggets were 3 and 0 in their matchups against the Jazz this year. The first one was without Jamal Murray and a variety of other pieces as well. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. played in that game. He played off the bench. He excelled in that game. I think he had 12 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, was a big plus. He really helped turn the game with Jeremy Grant at center as the backup center. Uh, Nikola Jokic, was, he had like 28 points and 10 assists in that game. Uh, the next one was the Magnificent Seven game where the Nuggets were yep. extremely shorthanded and Murray and Jokic basically put the team on their backs and both were excellent, especially down the stretch. Uh, Murray was finding buckets. Jokic was finding buckets. He ultimately sombored shuffled in Gobert's face. And Denver won that game 98-95. to uh, This game was against uh, with, with all three of them out there. And when all three of them were out there on the floor together, the Nuggets were really good. They found a way yeah. to make things work, even in the minutes where – in the first half where they didn't look that great. Like, they, overall – when Jokic and Porter and Murray all shared the floor, the Nuggets were excellent. I think. Yeah, and the, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was, well, it's, it's the thing. The thing you got to remember about that third game is if you take away that first quarter, like they they pretty much dominated. So it's it's really yeah. you know they they got way behind early and then they they came back and uh, after that it was it was pretty much um, the. The Nuggets were were given given Utah they could handle. So I, I even though it was a double overtime game, like it's not one that I would uh, I would think it, it it gives a a perception of being closer than I think it actually was. Uh, who worries you the most when thinking about the Jazz? I mean, it's probably Donovan Mitchell. I, I'm not I'm not a huge Donovan Mitchell booster. Um, I, mean, I think he's kind of just a, you know he's he's a guy who shoots a lot. Um, but, but he's a guy that can, you know, he can, if he gets hot, he's can win a game pretty much on his own. And, and the, the nuggets, you know, particularly without Gary Harris available are going to have to rely a lot on Tory Craig, which means Tory Craig's going to play big minutes and 
you know, Tory has not looked, I mean, defensively, he's looked fine. Uh, maybe though not as, as good as he can be. Um, he's struggled sometimes shooting uh, throughout throughout the bubble. He's had some some good moments as well, but you're going to have to play Tory a lot, I think, to, to keep Donovan Mitchell in check, which means you're going to be keeping other guys off the floor that might be a little bit better for your offense. So right. if, if Mitchell's on, then I think it, it makes it a lot harder for the Nuggets. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think that's probably the most dangerous player. I think the most dangerous matchup for me is Jordan Clarkson off the bench. I think yeah, you can get saying, by. Like, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, I, for, I, I forgot to mention. Like, Jordan Clarkson is probably the one who, for not really you know lo- logical reasons, but he definitely is the one who probably scares me the most because he seems like just seems like he's played great this season, uh, particularly with Utah, and and he seems like a guy who could just be that guy who you remember killing you in a series, uh, as we've seen happen to the Nuggets uh, a number of times. He could be the, the Corey Maggette of this or, series. frankly, the Rodney Hood, let's be honest. Yeah, like, like he, exactly. he strikes me as a guy that if the Nuggets don't contain, they're probably going to lose games. Uh, I think the Nuggets can survive if Dan- if Donovan Mitchell goes off. Like they can, they can survive if he goes off and Rudy Gobert has his efficient game around the glass because he's getting a lot of easy looks. Um, I don't think they can survive if Donovan Mitchell goes off, Rudy Gobert is efficient, and Jordan Clarkson goes off off the bench. Like that to me yeah. seems like the the formula for winning. Uh, if you are the Jazz, uh, so the Nuggets have to really match up with them. They they can't let Jordan Clarkson get hot. You want him to have a bunch of three of ten games or four of fifteen, or where he's he's has to take these shots because he's required to because that's that's the system that they play. But he can't get off good looks. This is where Gary Harris is so valuable because if the Nuggets are going to use Torrey Craig in their starting lineup, they don't have anybody off the bench that can bother a, a scoring guard. Yeah, I mean you're you're basically relying on PJ Dozier to do that for you, uh, and and that's you know I mean PJ's been good in, in the bubble, but that's not his. He's he's sort of that like ultra utility knife guy who can do a little bit of everything for you. So yeah, he can play some defense for you, but I mean just with the way Jordan Clarkson is has played, and and you know the guy's going to shoot a bunch of threes. That's that's something that if 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 PJ's not up to the task, then you're you're going to be in hot water really quick. So if you don't have Gary Harris, or even Will Barton, I mean, if you had yeah. Will Barton, that'd be another guy you could put on him. Because Barton's at least a smart defender. He's he may not be the quickest and most agile against guys like that, but he is smart and he will like he has enough length against a guy like Jordan right. Clarkson that the looks aren't going to come cleanly. Um, right. Who's the X X factor for the Nuggets? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, if we if we if we can't count Michael Porter Jr. as the as the X factor, which, yes, yes, uh, no counting him. He has moved beyond <laughs> X factor status. Right. Um, it's Jeremy Grant, then, right? It's got to be like that's the guy who's been sort of their their X factor uh, in the bubble, and he, um, another guy who's going to tax Joe Ingles. And and we were I was talking to you about this before before we got on. Was, Joe Ingles was a negative minus twenty four in that game. Uh, against the Nuggets, and you brought it up, it was like, yeah, it's because Jeremy Grant was killing him, um, and 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 he put so much pressure on on that team, who is going to, you know, I mean, Royce O'Neal is 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 a good player, but he's he's not uh, nobody's nobody's game planning for him, or or sure. wondering how they're going to beat him. So, um, Jeremy Grant is a guy who can essentially be your sixth man, and is essentially your sixth man. Um, and and if he if he's got it going and if he's playing like he's been playing lately, then he's he's definitely got to be the X factor. I'm going to give you another one. I think it's Tory Craig. I think right. that if Tory Craig 
shoots well in this series, the Nuggets are almost guaranteed a first-round victory. If he doesn't shoot well, it becomes a little bit more cloudy. I still think that the Nuggets roll. I think that like they they have an opportunity here to make things work. But if the Nuggets are going to be without Gary Harris and Will Barton, then you need somebody on the perimeter who can play some defense. I don't care what people say about uh, Michael Malone's tendencies or his or his uh, desires for defense, if you will. Uh, it matters. It really does. And Torrey Craig being out there, he's bothered Donovan Mitchell a lot in the past. I think he forced yep. him into an 0 for 12 game in Denver one time, like this earlier this year. So that's something that I am worried about. That's something that I'm definitely thinking about when I'm thinking about the Nuggets. Like if Torrey Craig's going to be out there, and I think he's going to be out there a lot, how can he affect the game? Are you just going to have him brick three-pointers on the offensive end? Is he going to be an effective rebounder and cutter? Uh, I think he can be. I think the right thing for the Nuggets is probably when they're posting up Jokic just to put him in the short corner and then the other three guys, Grant, Porter, and Murray around the perimeter. But I do think that that makes a lot of sense for the Nuggets that they, if if they get a good version of Torrey Craig, things change immediately. Yeah, that, I mean, that, and that is a great point. And, and we saw last year in the playoffs how they got the good version of Torrey Craig and how much of a difference he made um, right. when they inserted him into the starting lineup. So he he's he's a guy who you know, as the story, you know, Torrey's gonna be scrappy on defense. You know, he's gonna he's gonna hustle up. He he's one of the the best guys at hustling up on offensive boards and things like that. You know, you're gonna get that about him. But he's got to keep defenses honest and and make them respect the three point shot. And if he does that. You know, he, he becomes a, a, a much more valuable player when that shot is fallen. Okay. Who actually, okay, one more question before we get to predictions. Do you see Harris and Barton playing at all in these series? We were, we were talking about this too before we came on. And I was like, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if this is all just like some shadow game that the, the Nuggets and coach are playing and that these guys are actually going to be healthy and, and ready to go. But what we were saying is like, well, if that was the case, it would shadow games be damned. You would want to at least get them some time tomorrow against Toronto right. and that's not going to happen. So um, I, I, I tend to think, no, I mean, I tend to think because one, I think it's going to be a pretty quick series. I have the Nuggets winning this thing in five. Um, and so I, I don't know that you particularly, if you get out in front, like if you win the first two games or, or you go up three, one, like, are you really going to risk um, how much you're going to really risk those guys when you, when you're very close to winning and, and you've been winning, uh, so I, I think the likelihood is no, but if this ends up going long, you know, and we're talking now another two weeks or so before, uh, before it wraps up, then like, yeah, maybe, maybe in a game six, game seven, you might see one of those guys. I hope so. I, I really do think that the nuggets, if they're going to go far in this play in these playoffs, then they need all hands on deck. Like that, that to me seems like a very standard thing. But if you're relying too heavily on a guy like Torrey Craig or if Michael Porter Jr. starts feeling the pressure a little bit, then you want to be able to go to a Will Barton or a Gary Harris in those cases and say, hey, we know that you, you, you've you carried a lot of the burden, but we got you now. We can we can get you through the rest of this stint or the rest of this game because um, those guys have the capability to be able to do that. Uh, I, I hope that they play. I don't think they're going to play in the Jazz game, in the Jazz series. I think that's really tough, yeah. and I think that's it's, but it's kind of trending that way. Things just do not look good. Yeah, I would say all all evidence would certainly point to that. Man, uh, so you say Nuggets in five still? Yeah, I I, I just don't see 
Utah just doesn't scare me like at all. Like, I, I, you know, I wanted Dallas because because of the playoff inexperience, and I know that you you would uh, uh, rather the Nuggets didn't get Dallas, which they didn't, um, because of because Luka Doncic is is an incredible player. So, um, outside of that, though, outside of Dallas, like the next choice would for me was for Utah. I think Utah is. Uh, I think Boyan Bogdanovich was a is a big part of what they did, particularly against Denver. He's he's hurt Denver a couple times, um, and not having him and having to have you know uh, basically give more minutes to Royce O'Neal and, and then ask a lot more of Joe Ingles. Like there, it's it. There's just not a lot to go there. And then other than Jordan Clarkson, like that bench is just is not good. Like it's just not. So there's right. there's. They can't match the Nuggets on the depth. I don't think they'll have any answer for Michael Porter Jr. I don't think, as I've said, that Rudy Gobert can really do anything to slow down Nikola Jokic. And, and I just think the Nuggets overall are a better team, and we're going to see it. I think you're probably right. Um, it's It just seems like the Jazz are just so shallow. They they had seven guys that you could really count on with their starting unit. Uh, at Boyan Bogdanovich on the outside now and Jordan Clarkson, who's the sixth man, and usually seven can get it done. Like I, I I would have been a lot more confident in them had they had seven quality guys that they felt like they could all play 30 minutes a night. Uh, but it just doesn't seem like that's the case. And I don't want to be relying on Emmanuel Moutier or Tony Bradley or George's Niang. Like it just, it just doesn't seem like a very welcome strategy in my opinion uh, with the Nuggets. Even if they have their injuries, even if they have their depth issues, they still have depth upon their depth. Like it just, it right. just feels like when they don't have a guy who's got it going, they can go to different options. And this is something that they didn't have last year. Their their ninth and tenth man were Trey Lyles and Wancho Hernan Gomez last year. Right now, it's it's like I don't know. It's it's Tory Craig now, and and which is which is kind of nuts to me that like it it was like if if you count. Let's 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 put Tory Craig into the starting lineup now. But uh, their sixth man would be Jeremy Grant. Their seventh man is probably Monte Morris, and their eighth man is probably Mason Plumley. I take yep. that over last year's bench. That's for sure. Yeah, and you've still got PJ Dozier, who's who's available to you as well there, and and can kind of be that again that guy of hey, if you need to make an adjustment, um, and one of these one of these other guards or something isn't isn't playing well, like that's that's another guy that you can give minutes who's who's played well. Uh, in Orlando and and looks I mean I thought I thought this for a long time which was I was very happy that they gave PJ a full deal like that guy is an NBA player he he I have no doubt that not only is an NBA player but he's a guy who can yeah be a you know he, I mean I don't know if he'll ever be a starter in the NBA but certainly can be a, a, a solid role player um in a in a part of a team's rotation a part of a playoff team's rotation so you know you've got you've you are starting to get taxed a little bit. We we probably want to avoid too much Troy Daniels or or Kate of HD up in the uh, in the playoffs. I'm but, gonna for even, bowl, man. I, yeah, I, or, I or, want that. Or, right, but see, that's the thing too. Is like so. Those are the those are your next three, right after after the first nine. If we're not if if we're counting Harris and Barton out, like yeah. Then your next three are 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 those three guys. And well, like yeah, you'd probably not want them to play you probably don't want to have to rely on those guys like if you need them in a pinch you don't feel too bad about it either 100 percent. it just it just feels like the nuggets are going to be overwhelming and their starting unit is even better than it was before murray's better yoke just better Millsap is probably not better but he's not that much worse uh michael porter jr just adds a completely different dimension to this team it's a dimension that i don't think the jazz can really keep up with agreed 100 percent 
Awesome, man. Well, I don't really have much more. I think we, we've went way over the time that I thought I was going to go. Uh, I, I genuinely appreciate it. Do you have anything before we head out of here? Um, no, man, I think, uh, go nuggets and it's, you know, the playoffs are the best time of the year. This is what we live for. So, uh, it's excited and I'm excited. I'm great. It's, it's awesome, man. I'm, I'm tired, but, but we are, we're putting out great content. I love doing this. Everybody is having a great time in the Denver Stiffs chat. And I, I think nuggets fans are just super excited. This team is, there's so much more palpable excitement this year than there ever has been before for my lifetime as a Nuggets fan, other than maybe the early, like, like 2009. Like, it's just, right, so yeah, it's just different. It's, that's what it feels like. It feels like 09, where you're like, this team, yeah, like, they're not, they're not the favorites, uh, obviously, but hey, if things break the right way, like, they could definitely make a run at this. Why not us? Why not us? Right. Why, who, would, who would you take over Jokic, Murray, and Porter right now? Like, is, is there any trio in the league that you would rather have, especially young trio, going forward than those three? Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's some veterans, obviously, that groups out there. I mean, you think about, I'm trying to think of Milwaukee. Uh, I mean, you know, but veteran guys, right? Like Giannis, yeah. Giannis, Middleton, and Bledsoe. Is that is that something you would uh, maybe consider? But yeah, in terms of 25 and younger, like there's nobody you can nobody you can touch them. No contest. I love it. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate you. Uh, everybody else, make sure to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, Apple Podcasts would be great. Uh, it would be awesome to read some nice reviews over the next couple of days. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of the Denver Stiffs Show. We'll talk to you guys very soon.